Hello and welcome to the Album of the Week Club. Each week we look at a legendary album through the lenses of three people with differing levels of musical knowledge. Does listening to and analysing albums make us appreciate them more? And will it open our eyes to a whole new world of music? Well, let's meet our hosts. I'm Martin McDonnell and our resident expert in classic rock, alternative and indie music. Basically all the stuff with guitars in them. I'm also a former music journalist who owns over 500 albums on vinyl and growing, so I might just be qualified for this task. Uh, following Snap at My Heels is Harry Heath, direct from Sweden. Harry is a big indie head with a more eclectic taste than myself and will hopefully keep me up to date with anything a bit more recent. Hello, Harry. Hello. How yep. are we today? I'm good. Had my Swedish meatballs. I know what you're thinking. Very good. For, Wait, I, I, I've only had in Sweden, Harry. Five years. And you've only just had your meatballs. No, no, no. It's at okay. least a monthly thing. Okay, I see. Are they from IKEA? Because oh. that's the only place I've ever had Swedish meatballs. Well, What's the difference between Swedish meatballs and the meatballs we have here in the UK? Well, I think the origin comes from. Uh, turkey, actually, but it's just like spice in a different way, and they're generally smaller. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, here in Sweden they sell it in Swedish shops, and, and if we've learned... it's just one of them. <laughs> and if we've learned nothing else today, <laughs> and finally, in the darkened corner of the room is a man who thought Alice Cooper was a special edition mini. A man who thought the Russells was a really informative music documentary. He's our resident musical dunce. It's David Wiley. Hello. Dunce, dunce, dunce. Oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> dunce, dunce revolution. Uh, and again, as, as, as per usual, check that Wiley got any of those references. Uh, Alice Cooper appears in a film somewhere, I think. or Wayne's World. Yes, oh, yeah. that's that's where I know Alice Cooper from. Yeah, so we're not so, worthy. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 more familiar with Alice Cooper than that, but not much more. Never heard of the Russells though. Um, the Russells uh, was a um, spoof documentary about the Beatles. Um, it's produced by um, Eric Idle of Monty Python fame. Uh, George Harrison actually has a cameo in it, as does Mick Jagger. Okay. But um, it's it's very 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 close to like the Beatles in terms of like the timeline, the history. But obviously, it's got that kind of Python esque, you know, absurdity. So like instead of like John Lennon marrying um, Japanese concept artist Yoko Ono, he marries a Nazi. Hmm. Um, All right. Yeah, it's 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 a great music spoof doc. Um, Maybe that's something to put on our like bonus episodes list. Maybe. Speaking of uh, bonus, uh, not bonus, like uh, music documentaries and spoof documentaries and stuff, I only recently learned that Spinal Tap wasn't an actual band. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you should say that, Wiley, because yeah. before I put that Alice Cooper line in there, my intro was going to be... Um, sorry, before I put the Rattles line in there, it was going to be a Spinal Tap yeah. joke. Um, you know, a man who thought Spinal Tap was a really informative music documentary. 
Yeah, it's really on <laughs> I knew, like, I knew it was a spoof, but I assumed that Spinal Tap was an actual band. Uh, well, and they made music. Of, yeah, I mean, part of my mm. belief is the fact that they've made guest appearances on The Simpsons. I, like, I think oh, one of them is a Simpsons. A real yeah, band. yeah. Harry, Harry Shearer is Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I sort of figured all that out more recently. Yeah. I mean, we're veering, this is episode two, we're veering dangerously towards being a Simpsons podcast at this point. <laughs> and I have no objections. <laughs> I think every, every podcast should be a Simpsons podcast. In one form or another. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, our um, album this week is Sheer Heart Attack by Queen. Um, I'm guessing everyone, including Wiley, has heard of Queen at the very least. Yeah. He was in Wayne's I'd, World. I'd, I'd even heard one of the songs on this album before I listened to the album. Shit, son. Yeah. I, I can just, guess just which one, one it is, but I'm not going to spoil it. Like, we'll wait until we hit it, but I know which one well, it is. You, you can get, you, once we've, once we've, when we get to that one, you guess it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the right. obvious one, isn't it? Definitely. Well, I don't know which ones are obvious, so... I mean, if it appears, I think it's the obvious one. But... I mean, it's 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 the one that's going to appear on the best of Queen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing most of us are familiar enough with Queen that mm-hmm. this isn't really much of a shock. Well, no. it's different from like the commercial side. Oh yeah, it's 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 early, isn't it? So there's um, yeah. Different... I mean, like if you're used to the classic Queen sound, then it's quite a lot of different. Stuff going on here, a bit more proggy, a bit more heavy. Than yeah. Maybe what you used to. Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Queen in the world. Like, I like some of the hits, but kind of watch what I say a little bit here because it, it contradicts other tastes that I have. Like, I'm going to say <laughs> they're too over the top and dramatic and theatrical at times for my liking. Says the guy with a massive suede fucking portrait behind me, <laughs> you know, because they've never at all been camp. They've never at all been dramatic. They've never at all played mm. around with sexuality. I've got no, you know, you get what I mean, but it's something about Queen that I just, it just doesn't rub right at times. Is it the fact, is it the fact that everybody else likes it? No, not at all. Okay. Like, right. <laughs> I, I like bands that, a huge, you know, I mean, probably, I, I mean, I, I was obsessed with the Beatles and Kid, still love them now, you know, and they're the biggest selling band of all time. So it, it's it's not that, it's it's just something doesn't rub rub my nubbing as it should. Do you prefer them as a live band? I've not really caught enough of Queen as a live band to comment. Because I think it's like a whole it. different... I've, I've, I've like watched the Live Aid performance and... I, I get the, like, I, th- this is the thing, Queen. I get how fucking talented they are. I get the presence of Freddie Mercury. I get all that. But it just doesn't connect with me on an emotional level. I know what you mean. Um, Wiley, are you much of a fan of Queen, or is it just someone you know of? I, I know Queen. I like some of their music. Uh, I'm not I'm not crazy about them. I don't they're not the sort of band that I would go out of my way to listen to. Yeah. And there aren't many that I do, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I know them, I appreciate them. 
Uh, I've seen We Will Rock You, the musical based on their songs uh, in the West End. I've heard that. that, was, sh- that yeah, pretty that's pretty shit. Sorry? I've heard that's pretty shit. <laughs> no, Mamma Mia. Uh, I don't, well, the fact that I don't remember the story at all, except that it was in some weird nebulous future. Yeah. <laughs> an indication of it. I it mean, feels, it's a Ben Elton I mean, musical. Just, it's the same as any musical based on stitching together all the songs, all the popular yeah. songs of a band. Yeah. Like if you think about the story of Mamma Mia as well, that's a bit shit as well. But you I, it's yeah. not, you're not there for it. You're there for the music. I mean, yeah, it's so the film has Pierce Brosnan singing. So it's just, let's go listen to some Queen songs on a big stage. Mm. I mean, in a slightly I, different format. It's, I've got no interest in musicals whatsoever. Like they're just not my bag. Which is probably why I don't like Queen, because they are a bit that way. Sure. You know, some of those songs just would fit in a musical, but... And, and how... I, I just don't... I, well, yeah, it's, it's easy when you commission your own, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what about the film? Have you ever seen, like, Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, I've seen very small parts, like... Um, my other half, she absolutely loves the film, but... And she tried to force me to watch it. Has it worked out? No. <laughs> yeah, I get the impression it's kind of like what you said about musicals, just like cherry picking the good points and uh, happy songs and that. Yeah. And then they tried, from what I understand, they tried to shoehorn the whole Freddie Mercury AIDS thing into it as well, didn't they? Like, but the, from what from what I understand, like some of the historical timelines aren't, on. Yeah, they try um, and like, yeah, make they kind of at the sad up. point in the film before Live Aid came up. Yeah, suppose so. Basically, they kind of presented it as just before Live Aid, Freddie Mercury found out he had HIV/AIDS. Yeah, at that point then, he had no he fucking went, clue. <laughs> the reason he, went, he performed he so he did it yeah. anyway because that's who he is. He is the guy <laughs> who performs despite everything. Yeah, sort of like Kid Rock with coronavirus. <laughs> but um no i mean they, they did take some major liberties in that film yeah um i mean live aid from what i understand like the, the motivation behind them for, like putting in the performance of their lives was one because they always did that and two um because queen were like considered finished at that point yeah like they their, their moment had been and gone like you know five years prior Every album since have been dwindling returns, you know. They were popular, but not as popular. Mm. And a lot of people are saying maybe they should call it a day. Um, so that was their motivation to go out there, give it the show of their lives. And, you know, it, it boosted them up, you know. Um, unfortunately, obviously, Mercury's illness um, probably prevented them sort of doing the live shows so much I've you know it's sort of like a handful of small tours and you know a few one-offs from that point on because he was diagnosed very like rough a little bit after Live Aid maybe like a year two years after I believe he was diagnosed in 86 but that's open to conjecture hmm. um, can you name and... anyone else who did Live Aid because uh, yeah, I can. Yeah. definitely the hugest by far I, I can like, yeah indeed um, like I've, I've actually got no, sorry, I haven't. Um, I've got the other one, uh, Live Aid, on like DVD. Okay, but I've watched a good proportion of Live Aid, um, mm. so I've, like 
the, the, the standout performances were like, I mean, Queen's probably the one. Um, and then David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Did he um, join them for Under Pressure? Or? I don't think, no, because I think Under Pressure came a bit later. All right. I could be wrong. I thought, I think that might be a little bit later. Um, but yeah, David Bowie, Simple Minds, I thought put in a good one. I think they did Philadelphia. You um, 2 I mean, that's the performance that launched their career. Arguably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was Led Zeppelin there too? Led Zeppelin fucked it big time. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were the one band who requested that, like, the footage get deleted. <laughs> essentially it's like they're, they're not on the live aid dvd um wow. long story short um just so wiley's kind of aware of context if we want to talk about this live aid thing um led zeppelin broke up in 1980 following the death of drummer john bonham um who's uh, like considered one of the best drummers of all time like, the, the guy was a tempo machine yeah um and he could, you know, he hit hard, but you could also play the subtle stuff well as well. It, you know, that's, that's a rarity in the drumming world. Like, you've got drummers who can do the subtle stuff well, you know, like light brushes, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't kick, so to speak. But John Bonham did the two amazingly well. Um, actually, Roger Taylor's quite good at that, but we'll get into that a bit later on. Um, but John Bonham died, they split up, and they got back together for Live Aid. The replacement drummer... Um, was two drummers um, and I'm struggling to remember the name of one of the drummers um, I think it might have been Rai Kuda, um who played with um, Elton John but I could be wrong on that um, or it could have been it might have been oh, no the name's lost to me but he played on pretty much every fucking big recording in the 80s um, it, it'll come to me but not right this minute but it's relatively irrelevant. But they got Phil Collins. Um, Phil Collins played um, both of the big Live Aid gigs, uh, quite famously. He played in London, got on the Concorde, and flew to New um, Philadelphia to do the other leg of Live Aid. Um, so he didn't really get any preparation time with Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy K. Jimmy Page was still coming out the back end of his heroin addiction um i don't know whether he kicked heroin at that point or he hadn't but if he had he was drinking to make up for it so to speak um robert plant had already sort of headed off on a sort of successful solo career and probably didn't want to be there like he was the closest to john bonham they were childhood friends so he probably had the most ill feeling about reuniting but either way, it's just a fucking god-awful performance. And Led Zeppelin wrongly put all the blame on Phil Collins. <laughs> the other drummer was Tony Thompson. Mostly. Tony Thompson. The um, played cheek. That's right, yeah. Um, I'd say, I knew, I knew he'd been on a lot of session stuff. Um, but as I say, two drummers for starters, and they were completely off-tempo with each other yeah. because they hadn't rehearsed together. <laughs> Um, <laughs> then they were just put on the biggest stage. Yeah, 
I mean, it would have been quite funny though if like just Phil Collins had just got up on the drum set and he's like, I don't know what to do here. Do 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 do. What a work. <laughs> like just that big crescendo in like stairway where it's like do do do. Instead, he's just going do 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 do. <laughs> but um, yeah, one of the most infamously bad like performances ever. Um, especially for like a band who like had that legendary status. Like Led Zeppelin went out pretty at the top. I mean, they're starting to dwindle. Just revert but... back to its mother. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that Live Aid performance is from Queen is just completely legendary. Like, um, the, there's probably a bit of myth attached to it now. To the point yeah, where, I think if you, you know, picture Freddie Mercury, you see him in that yellow army jacket kind of thing. I thought, it's the, it, um, I thought it's the white. Yeah, he went in the Wait, white, white vest. vest. Oh, yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought the army jacket was later on. I thought that was maybe Nebworth. Yeah. Okay, I'm just mixing. Um, I, I could be I wrong. Mean, I'll be honest, I agree with Harry. That's the that's the one I think of when I think of Queen. Yeah, that's, Mon- that's Montreal. Hmm. Because there's, there's a statue done exactly the same um, at Montreal um, where they hold the annual jazz festival which isn't really a jazz festival anymore. Um, quite famously um, put um, in Smoke on the Water, the song, um, which was basically Montreux, like the buildings burnt down uh, after a group of Frank Zappa fans like rioted. Um, Deep Purple just happened to be there and wrote Smoke on the Water about that. But uh, I digress way too much. But I was, I was a big digression, but I think if we're going to talk about Queen, we should talk about Live Aid. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Um, I mean, by all accounts, Live Aid, you know, they did a lot of good work. There's some controversies about the sort of where the funds went. Um, yeah. A lot of them went to African dictators. Um, well, African and... dictators need money too, Martin. Mm. You know, but... So there's a there's a kind of argument that a lot of that money probably like pocketed the likes of Robert Mugabe as opposed to starving yeah. African kids, um, and a lot of these um, African governments were really exploitative when they knew the money was coming, so they kind of put like income taxes on it, um, and I mean that, and pretty much everyone who performed at Live Aid was off their fucking nut. Like supposedly, like there was a, like a mountain of cocaine on a table backstage, <laughs> which like they were all helping themselves to. Um, I remember when Live Eight happened, um, Status Quo, like did like this appeal through like I think it was the Sun newspaper, which I can't mention because of where I am and my affiliations to football teams. But uh, yeah, that paper, um, they like did a bit of a campaign to get Status Quo on the lineup for Live 8 um, on the grounds that Status Quo couldn't remember playing the concert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that charity cocaine. (laughs) Um, Well, um, oh God, I'm trying to remember the name. I think it's Francis Rossi, the uh, front man of Status Quo. Um, He has like a party trick, which he uses to scare his grandchildren off of drugs, uh, where he grabs a handkerchief and puts it into like the middle section of his nose, which is completely yeah. dissolved away because of his coke use. 
Uh-huh. So there's a huge ass hole there, and he just like fucking pulls the handkerchief. <laughs> Yeah, that, that will do it. <laughs> yeah, that, will do it. <laughs> that is going to do anyone in. But yeah, uh, Queen, um, back to Queen. Um, the album we're covering is Sheer Heart Attack, which is Queen's third album. It was released in November 1974, November the 8th to be precise, and saw the band move away from their progressive rock stylings to a more conventional pop rock style. Uh, so a lot more singles. Um, a lot more stuff that would just generally be palatable on the charts. How long, um, did Queen, how long had Queen been a thing by this point? About two years, two to three years. Okay. Mm. That's quite Where quick the... to get albums out that quickly, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of in the sort of early 70s where it was more traditional to do about an album a year. Uh, yeah. The whole kind of album every four years, out every five years, if you're Radiohead, album every... 17 years of your guns and roses um <laughs> kind of it came about a lot later this idea of artists spending a lot of time on the method yeah. and the recording uh back then it was you know record somewhat cheaply and get the fucking product out there while you're still relevant because yeah. what you've got yeah. to remember as well is up until the beatles arguably bands didn't have a shelf life Mm. Um, you know, I mean, when the Beatles came around, even Elvis was considered a bit dumb. Like he had his comeback in sixty-eight, sixty-nine, yeah, and then mm. faded off again. But like lasting legacies for artists was not considered a thing at that point. Like yeah. the Beatles to have a eight-year run was considered fucking incredible. So as a result record companies would get the artists to record every six months at the very late, you know, you'd have two albums a year minimum because it was considered like, let's hit this for all it's worth while it's still there. Uh, The Beatles probably changed that a little bit when they retired from touring, spent a year on Sgt. Pepper and moved into like a one album a year cycle, which is kind of the norm around that time. As the 70s went on, you kind of hit a, album of a two-year cycle with like Led Zeppelin and bands like that taking a little bit more time over their method um mm. and then as, as sort of time went on it, it became three years four years five years um, and no like non-album singles I guess um well not with Led Zeppelin obviously they never released a single <laughs> at least one single but I mean like the Beatles had to do that for like in between every album they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um had to have EPs, had to have singles, had to have this, that, the other, because it was let's hit it while it's still fresh. Um, you know, they hit yeah, it got nineteen sixty six and you know, people I mean there's an article I say I remember I didn't like wasn't there. Um <laughs> But there was an article. I um, remember back in, the <laughs> back in my day. It was the fashion at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there was an article that um, in 1966, 67, it was like, are oh, the Beatles finished? And the grounds for that was that they had a single hit number two. <laughs> um, the single was probably one of the best singles, like now, like when you look at it now like the one that's considered like the most acclaimed it was uh strawberry fields forever slash penny lane that's pretty impressive oh, i've heard of that yeah it was beaten to number one i believe by um release me by engelbert humperdinck 
haven't heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> you must have heard of that one. No, no, I've like, heard of the Beatles one. It's like, not. please release me, let me go. <laughs> and that's it's all you get. Basically a prisoner. I, I have heard of Engelbert Humperdinck. There's only one song Humperdinck. he's fucking known for, so it must be that okay. one. All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anyway. I think he's known for his name. <laughs> That's, yeah, probably. Yeah. You'll probably, probably find Martin's mentioned him one or two many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. That's why I know the name. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, the album was a happy accident in many ways, this um, Queen album, uh, because after the release of Queen 2, uh, the band went on a promo tour, like a kind of support act tour with... Um, Mott Hoople, who are like a glam rock band, probably best known for the song All the Young Dudes. Oh, yeah. Um, that was by Bowie. That was written by Bowie, yeah. Um, Mott the Hoople had had a bit of fame a little bit before that, but were a bit overlooked. And then uh, Bowie wrote All the Young Dudes because he was a big Mott the Hoople fan and wanted to relaunch their careers. Uh, sort of the same way he did with Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. Um, so during the tour, Brian May... Uh, contracted hepatitis um, and the tour was forced to be cancelled um, just sort of to put a bit of context on it like n- none of the bands it, Brian May in particular were particularly big on drugs especially like intravenous drugs um, mm. it's believed that Brian May probably caught hepatitis and he didn't sleep around either by all accounts um, so it's likely he caught it from the vaccines they were given prior to tour in Australia um, so that's uh, one nil anti vaxxers Yeah, <laughs> you win this round. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Where does so the basically... title come from? Like sheer heart attack. It's I all like related to this like, illness or something like that. I, th- I think there's a lyric. Okay. Um, but yeah, so basically, so basically, meant to be on tour. Tour was cancelled, and the record company, the management said right, let's make some use of this time. So they went into the studio. Uh, Brian May's still in hospital at this point, so they record all, like a good percentage of the album without Brian May, without like lead guitar. Brian May comes in a bit later on and adds that all on top. And okay, adds so a couple of, a lot. And adds a lot of his, um, a few of his compositions as well. So uh, that's kind of where it sits. Like Brighton Rock, I think, for instance, was a Brian May predominantly um, composition, but we'll I'll go into that a little bit more as we go on. Uh, the album charted at number two in the UK. Um, the previous album charted at number five. So it's a relative continuation of success over here. But mm-hmm. it charted at number 12 in the Billboard 200, um, which seems like a middling sort of position until you realise like the amount of sales you've got to have to hit that chart in America. Yeah, the, I was just going to say Billboard 200 is um, the American one, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. I mean, if you hit the top 100 in the billboards, you've had a success of some regard. Yeah, so yeah. breaking America. So, yeah, this was their breakthrough into America. So, yeah, this is Sheer Heart Attack. Um, I'm going to just crack on and we'll talk about the tracks as we hit it on. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, this is just double check. I'm not <laughs> in shuffle mode. <laughs> Because that would be awkward. <laughs> uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is Brighton Rock. Sheer heart attack. 
So yeah, that's Brighton Rock. Uh, yeah. It's on a bit, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, thoughts, guys? I, I just gave you them. Is that literally your only thought? <laughs> no, I I enjoyed the bits of it that weren't repetitive. Mm. Like like the 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 verses. That it was it was good, but then there was a a lot of protracted drum playing. <laughs> At least what, I think I think they were drums. It's it's what they call in a music business sense a guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> I see, or an instrumental. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Okay. So too much instrumental, not enough band effort. Yeah, it's like a five-minute song, and I think that bit was about three minutes. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It kind of feels like a launching pad for like an overly embellished solo sort of thing. Yeah. That's going to happen when they play live. I mean, opinions on the solo? It's okay. It's alright. I think I'd prefer it if I was at a performance. And one of them leapt out and did that in the middle of a song that wasn't supposed to have one. <laughs> like I would, I think I'd appreciate that a lot more than than this. No, I agree. I definitely I think, think it's I, like something for playing live more than it is for a studio thing. It's yeah, definitely yeah. designed to be like, okay, Brian, play your guitar bit. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, um, just as a we in the studio, in the studio, he's just there like, eh, look what I could do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you missed me, guys? <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> but, um, I mean, just the tiniest little bit of context. Uh, the solo for that song kind of goes back to Brian May's pre-Queen days um, in the band he was in before. The name's lost to me, and I forgot to write it down. My bad. Uh, but he'd play a very similar solo on one of his songs of his previous band, and... It was kind of a take forward. Uh, they'd been playing the song for quite a while, or the solo at least, quite a while during like Queen live performances um, prior to the album, and it kind of kind of got latched into a song. In the film Baby Driver? Yeah, the... Um, By Edgar Wright. Yeah, is it, is it, I'm trying to think of the actor. Is it Ryan Gosling? <laughs> no, that's another film called Driver. Oh, right, okay. There was a film by Edgar Wright called baby driver which uses a song a lot mm -hmm. it's like he's listening to music uh as he drives the car like he's that's the thing about the film he's right okay no i don't i don't think i've seen it then I, i'm coming to the realization that martin's movie knowledge is like my music knowledge very well, much I so. that maybe wiley had heard this film before i mean heard the song before in the film probably yeah but i didn't i don't recollect it <laughs> Next time I watch, <laughs> next time I watch Baby Driver, I'm gonna jump up and down and be like, "Hey, I know that song." So. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it it did anyone pick up on like lyrical threads or anything like that? There's not as much lyrical thread stuff as with the Smiths. A lot of the more kind of songs are superficial in that regard, but there are little lyrical threads as we go along. It's kind of like a two-way conversation. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, like for titles, a pun because Brighton Rock is a candy, like a half stick of candy you can buy at seaside resorts, like Brighton. Yeah, it's and also a film. It's also a Vox song. Oh, it's 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 a well known film from the fifties. Yeah, based on a book. Yeah, um, and I mean, 
um, well later down the line, there's also um, a well-known film um, from London to Brighton as well. Um, yeah, it's kind very, of like a mob thing. Very scuzzy film. No, no, London to Brighton is really scuzzy. Oh, um, it's it's one of those ones that you might get shown like a film studies A level. That's that's where I know about it from. Um, <laughs> yes, I did film studies. <laughs> Why? How have you not retained more knowledge? Um, <laughs> because I can give a fuck. <laughs> um, I got. I actually got an A star. Just to be Maybe. clear. Maybe it's because they only showed you films like from London to Brighton. Yeah, and well, I remember us covering performance a lot as well. But London to Brighton was about um, a woman escaping an abusive relationship that the fellow she's with, like, had a sexual interest in young girls as well. So she was protecting the daughter. It's just a very scuzzy film. Um, yeah, Brighton Rock was remade. Um, I can't remember quite when, but I think 2010 because it's filmed in Eastbourne, which is not too far from my hometown of Hastings. So I remember it being a bit of a bit of a deal. Um, uh, it was filmed with um, the actor, oh god, Richard Attenborough. No, that's the other one. Fuck. No, that's the, that's the original. Um, I think Richard Attenborough might have even passed by that point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, it was the guy from uh, Control. I can't remember the name of him, but he was in the film Control, the the Joy Division biopic. Okay. Um, it's really good in that. Uh, Sam Ridley, I think. Sam Riley. <laughs> Sam Riley, that's the one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's a shit film. Don't bother. Yeah, it looks a bit of shit. Yeah, but it's it's about like. They updated it so it was about mods on Brighton Beach, a um, bit like Quadrophenia. Um, again, in my opinion, an overrated film. Like, I know there's a lot of guys with um, the whole Paul Weller haircut, you know, who go to Brighton Beach and do their little pilgrimage and all that sort of shit. Good but, album, um, though. I don't even like the album that much. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, the song is about two mods at Brighton Beach. Um, Jenny probably comes from the prudish background. She's like, oh, you know, I don't want my mother finding out what I'm up to. Um, and clarify for me what a mod is in this instance. Okay, so a mod, um, mod was a musical um, subdivision. Oh, you want to call it musical culture um, in the 60s, um, basically revolving around the idea of like the new modern okay um so it was an idea of kind of having a bit of a hark back into other eras but also modernizing at the same time yeah. um and the the sort of guys that you know would um listen to beat music or beat r&b so to speak um and modern sort of r&b so to speak uh like the who um uh, yeah, the Who, Small Faces, sort of bands like that, the Kinks even. Yeah. Um, and later on, during the mod revival of the 70s, bands like The Jam um, and also Scar music started kind of coming on the scene in the mod scene as well. So bands like The Selector and Madness. There's also like a motorcycle fetish. Yeah, there's a huge motorcycle thing um, around um, Lambretta 
and Vespa motorcycles in particular. And uh, the oh. whole kind of Parker jacket thing. Um, so that was kind of, again, kind of in the 90s, that was kind of plucked upon by select Britpop bands as a kind of cultural icon, like the Parker jackets. Um, you know, like you'd see sort of Liam Gallagher in those sort of big kind of jackets with like the wooden, uh, the woolly collars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know what no, you I, mean. I know which ones you mean. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're Parker jackets. Um, but yeah, so they're both mods at Brighton Beach. Uh, Jenny comes, it seems, from like the prudish background. You know, I don't want my mum finding out what I'm up to. Jimmy's more of a lad. Um, you know, it's like, ah, you know. Um, and, mm. you know, so one's wanting to keep it on the down low, the other's, you know, very brash about it. And as the song goes on, that dynamic changes. Jenny's more into it. He doesn't want his mother knowing, and there's some sort of jokey complex within that. Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit Greece. lost. It's a bit lost on me, but that's the reading of the song. Yeah, that's the plot of Greece, but that's like <laughs> another musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the vocal delivery is like a lot cooler than the actual lyrical content. Yeah, I mean the whole like it's... going from the high to the lows when he talks about. Yeah, there's still a little magic in here. Yeah, it's a lot less theatrical as well than some of maybe the other songs on this album, some of the other kind of Queen songs. So I quite like this. It's a bit more classic rock. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, the, the guitar solo is great on the technical basis, but maybe goes on a little bit too long. I you think know, the main problem is like, it's the same tonality all the time. Yes. So it just sort of feels like the same dirt yeah. going on again. Yeah, it's like chug, chug, chug. <laughs> chug, chug, chug. <laughs> You know, uh, it's yeah, that kind it's, of thing. It's a train, basically. Is that what you're saying? Huh? It's a train. <laughs> yeah, but if it's a train, it wouldn't be the Great Western. It'd be more like the replacement bus service between Brighton and Lewisham. <laughs> that was way too specific. That's, that's a story there. <laughs> I've never been to Lewisham. <laughs> <laughs> I just plucked a name out. Like, I've been on many replacement buses from Brighton, but I've never been on one to Lewisham. <laughs> one day. Um, but one yeah, no, day. Overall, I think if you like guitar solos, by all means, listen to it, but it just feels misplaced. Yeah. Mm. I heard that it's meant to be one of the greatest rock solos, but really, I didn't get anything from it. On a technical basis, without. On a technical basis, but. Like, I'm not so, even. Solos are very technical, on very. um. And melodic or heartfelt often. Yeah, um, there are and there aren't. I think the answer there for me, you know, there's guitar solos that are really hard to emulate and they are amazingly melodic, you know, hit the spot, you know, comfortably numb. I think mm. it's a really good example of that, you know. There's a lot of people who can ape it, but they're never going to hit it in the same way that Gilmore does. Um, Stay Away probably as well. But the songs that those solos have come from have gone on long enough that, you know, when it hits the solo, it feels like a release or like a yeah. kind of crest on an emotional crown. Whereas this song just, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it also feels kind of patchworky. I don't know. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't feel like... On the Freddie Mercury stuff to the Brian May. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like a complete song. It feels like almost two songs gelled into each other in a way. Mm. I kind of feel like it could have just started with Killer Queen. And I think that's as good a segue as any. Queen. 
Killer Queen. Mm. What a song. Wally, let's go with you first. I'm assuming this is the one you've heard of. This is the one that, I, that I'd heard. Yeah, not just heard of, I've actually heard the song before. Mad. But it, 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 it's, it's the classic Queen sound, I think, throughout. Um, whatever that instrument that goes, it, like they use it all the time. I believe that's just a guitar. Okay, electric though, <laughs> specifically. Fucking electric. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, pretty much. Um, but that's like it's their it's their classic sound. Um, so it, it yeah. is going to be one of the more memorable tracks. Yeah, I what think is this like is a flanger effect. Yes, mm. it's, yeah, it's a flanger. So it, it basically, um, on a technical sense, it sends the sound back. Um, on itself with a um, volume distortion. I'm it sure cool. you're happy to know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's the Queen song, really, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's their third album, and so it kind of feels like this, this is when they're finally yeah. discovering the sound that will like influence yeah. the rest of their career. Yeah. yeah. I mean. This is probably that moment, isn't it? Um, this is the song that broke through, as you can imagine. This is the one that charted in the US, for instance. Um, it's quite obvious to see why. Um, and as the album goes on, I think it will become even more apparent why this song struck through, you know, in, maybe in comparison to some of the other material. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's kind of almost an outlier. Not quite, but in many ways, yeah. so... Um, you know, it's not of quite the same theme as the album. Um, yeah, it's a very, yeah, it's a very Freddie Mercury song, that's for sure. And uh, you can Absolutely. sort of tell that he sort of found his voice a little bit on this as well. Mm. Uh, maybe some of the other songs, he's he's aping other things a little bit too much. You know, whether it's theatricality, kind of, you know, musicals, you know, or, you know, whether he's aping sort of more classic rock sort of stuff whether it's like the Jimmy Page I'm uh, sorry not Jimmy Page uh, Robert Plant style voices or um Paul Rogers even you know I, I I've picked up some like reference like some feelings whether sort of similar to like free and bad company but I could be wrong um I think bad company might have been just after this album but free were definitely around at this time because I think they broke through in like 1969 mm. um you know like all, all right now um and sort of songs like that fire and water i always get free and bad company confused a little bit like they kind of almost seem to because because it's got the same singer they sort of seem to blend a little bit too much so i like, have to think a little bit about what song was by which one like i think shooting star for instance was like bad company but there's vibes the same way with that as well i think they came out early 70s still i think when they, they were like, signed by the beatles apple with like label about company no no, oh, no am no. i totally wrong okay you you're in the right ballpark but the wrong field 
<laughs> um, oh, that's putting it nice. Yeah, they were signed by an artist. Uh, the artist was Led Zeppelin. Ooh. Uh, they were signed to uh, Swanson Records. They were the um, first band signed to that label. Um, and there's only about three artists who were signed to Swanson. It's basically a vanity label for Led Zeppelin. Okay. Um, so the Beatles got James Taylor and Led Zeppelin got... The Beatles then. fucked James Taylor. Let's just be clear <laughs> on that one. Like, that that album's a cracking album. Uh, yeah. The James Taylor album. But it was got, so... Like, all the best songs in it, pretty much. It was so under-promoted. So, so under-promoted. Like, he never broke through with that album. It, it, like, glazed into the charts, you know what I mean? Like, bottom end. Um, then he signed to, I believe, Capital. I could be wrong. But it was a major US label that he signed to because he basically felt that Apple Records and the Beatles in particular let him down with a lack of promotion. They wouldn't even send him out on tour. So Bingo's a madman. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he, he went off uh, to um, a US record label and hit it big on his second album. Uh, that happened with a few Apple Records signings. Like, they just were under-promoted because the Beatles had lost interest by that point. You know, it started off well, realised they were losing fuckloads of money because they weren't doing things the music industry way, perhaps. And because they had pretty much broken up by the time James Taylor was joining? or um, James Taylor joined Apple Records in late 67 slash 68. Okay, um, so we're getting pretty close. Okay. Yeah, but by that point, they'd eat, you know, as many like John Lennon things, I think he'd like, sort of gone into it with the best intentions, lost interest and sort of let it slide off. Um, John Lennon, apart from his own stuff, was probably the least active with other artists within Apple Records. Mm. Um, I mean, other artists, he probably didn't get a fair shot um, in terms of promotion and all that sort of stuff. Um, Badfinger, in particular, like they're one of my favourite artists. Like Oh, that that's era. what I was thinking of. Badfinger and Bad Company. Um, they're kind of similar names. Yeah. Badfinger um, were signed by the Beatles um, and they were the first Apple signing, but they had some amazing songs and they were sort of tarred with the brush of being the next Beatles. Um, they had some success, but not huge success, if you make sense. Like they were seen as a band that were just on the crest of hitting it big. Apple Records kind of was falling apart and they felt really loyal to Apple Records. So they stayed a with Apple until Apple was literally done and dusted. Uh, they were the last ever non-Beatles release on Apple, for instance. Um, and then they signed to um, Warner and with a new manager in America um, called Stan Polly. And Stan Polly, long story short, was absolute bellend. Like, that, that's putting it lightly. Basically, he made him sign like a new contract, signed him up with a mega deal with Warner and then said, look, guys, if, if I give you them all the money at once, you're going to get taxed to fuck. So I'm going to put it in a holding account, pay you a salary out of that holding account. And then he just ran off with the money. Um, what a killer queen. Left him absolutely penniless. Uh, the lead singer and main songwriter, Pete Ham, committed suicide because of the financial troubles the band were in. Uh, Warner wouldn't release, well, they pulled their last record and then wouldn't release a further record that they recorded because um, they couldn't release the record um, until the money that was 
been paid as an advance on the record manifested. So they couldn't record at a contractual level. They couldn't tour. Um, and they were getting paid to basically the like equivalent now of about £250 per month by okay. the manager. This digression took a really dark turn. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, there's, there's certain bands that I'm a bit expert in and I will go a little bit off on a tangent with uh, Badfinger <laughs> definitely being one of them. Uh, but yeah, he, he he hung himself. And then eight years later, or six years later, um, the guitarist hung himself as well. Um, the tragic story of Badfinger. But yeah, uh, Killing Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as I say, another of those Apple signings that just never got the credit there, Jay. Um, but yeah, uh, Killer Queen. Um, it, it's just that song, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's not um, really anything to say about that, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, Maybe the embellishments make it. There's so oh, much like yeah, yeah. random little bits of music in the background. Or yeah, yeah, like really little, you feel about Brian May tone. That micro riff almost that he plays as well, you know what I mean? He's just put little embellishments in there. Yeah, and there's also like panning going on as well. Yeah, it's, it's, really Queen. it's incredibly well produced. Like anything that Queen has, has ever done is incredibly well produced. That's the one thing I've, you know, I can't deny that. Hmm. You know, whatever you listen to by Queen, it like, sounds epic. You know, it sounds really crisp, really clear, really well separated. Um, and Queen, one of those few bands that really got that um, autonomy in that regard from a major label. Because um, they, you know, signed and, you know, the label said, okay, like, yeah, we'll bring in producers, you know, that you can work with, but you can have a production credit on your albums as well. You can produce the albums with a producer. And that was from their first album going on because mm. even the record label recognized that these guys knew what they were doing in the studio environment yeah um but yeah i think killer queen is, is one of those it's, it's doled off because it's so well known mm. i think if a song becomes t- like too overplayed you just go eh, it's that song you know and it's yeah. a bit of that kind of reaction for me unfortunately it's just like it's a great song there's no denying that but it's yeah. like like it's one of those songs like if you if, if you heard that fresh out the you know the green you'd say that's like a eight out of ten nine out of ten song because you've heard it so many times it's a solid seven no mm. it's still eight or nine for me but that's you know <laughs> yeah yeah i'd say the same i think also like now maybe you're paying a bit more attention to the lyrics i think for really pretty clever yeah i, I mean the, the, as, as we kind of went into a little bit before the vocal performance on this song is absolutely incredible yeah like, especially going into that second verse where it's like drop of a hat she's a frilly cat like the way he sings it almost is like fruit, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like, and how he like yeah she's a like, frilly cat you know um it's kind of he, like he almost puts a bit of spin on it but it's yeah like saying couldn't chef and kennedy i mean that's not very like N- no not at all singable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's just a fun song that's really well sort of put together it's it's again it's also a verse chorus verse chorus song which we've not really you know come across with Brighton Rock and we won't come across that often with this album in general so another reason why it sticks out if it does feel like it's a song that's almost written for radio anyway um on to our next selection I'm gonna play him as the album intends because this is a little medley uh the songs blend into each other 
So it's a free song medley, yeah. Uh, Tenement Funster, uh, Flick of the Wrist, and Lily of the Valley. So yeah, that was a three-piece medley. Uh, so we had a tenement funster, flick of the wrist, and Lily of the Valley. Are we going to talk about them like individually, or um, I, I suppose it's one of those where you know it's it's kind of an individual kind of songs, but they they fit as one. So it's you know both both methods are correct. Honestly, yeah. it felt like one song to me. Mm. Well, I think they, for they flowed into each other so well. Despite the fact that they're all fairly different songs, they do create a, a whole picture, I think. Yeah. Mm, um, I do love a good medley, but um, I feel maybe the second two fit together better than Tenement Foster and the other ones. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. For me, it, it just felt like there were three songs that, you know, in some way had potential... Uh, it's almost like they couldn't be asked to finish him. Let's medley it. <laughs> you know, um, a, a I bit. think there's some standout bits. Yeah. I really like Lydia of the Valley, but it, it, the other I ones did, are... It didn't do it for me, but, you know. Um, I mean, Tenef uh, sorry, Tenement Funster um, was... <laughs> I know. <laughs> It was written by uh, Roger Taylor, and he's actually the lead vocalist on that song. Um, and um, for the most part, um, it's John Deacon on guitar, especially the acoustic guitars that you hear at the beginning. It's um, a very um, sort of strange song in that regard. You know, you've got a different vocalist, um, and for the most part, a different guitarist. So Brian May doesn't appear on it all that much. So... Roger Taylor's a drummer and John Deacon's the bassist. Yep, indeed. Just for context. Well done. Um, as I say, um, Roger Taylor, you know, it's not the first time he's appeared on vocals for Queen. It won't be the last time, but for the most part, it, you know, it's not his area. When you've got someone like Freddie Mercury, you know, playing um, with a band, you know, you're not going to put him out of the way, are you? It's still pretty impressive, though. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's not what you expect from a drummer. And drumming and singing is his own art in itself, I guess. There's not many yeah, yeah, other yeah. than uh, Phil Collins, the guy from the Eagles, that do it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Dave Grohl, but he doesn't really sing and drum at the same time, does he? He just nah, happens to be talented at both. Yeah. Um, Phil Collins, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tenement Funster sounded a bit like a free song to me. That's what I was kind of going on about that sort of free bad company influence. It, it sort of seemed very embedded in that sort of classic rock style. And I suppose because Roger Taylor's taken the vocals on, it doesn't quite hit as high at times or, you know what I mean? There's not so much, um, what you know, I'm trying to be careful what I say in some regards, but it's not as camp in the vocal. Um, it is interesting him Freddie Mercury doing backing vocals. Yeah, I mean the, the harmonic 
stuff with Queen is always incredible. Um, you know, and the harmonic melodies on the vocals again on that just hit the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, flick of the wrist. Um, didn't really have too much to say about it in terms of um, the musical ends. It's just a little bit too camp, a little bit too theatrical for my likings. That, that kind of is Queen's MO, though, is it not? It, yeah, I, I'm not. As I say, what they do, they do well. It's just not my, you know, as I was kind of getting on, you know, in the intros, it's just not quite my thing. Sure. I can appreciate the talent. I can appreciate the musicality. I can appreciate the songwriting, but it's not something I'd sit down and listen to as a personal choice for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Flick of the Wrist, it's kind of about the music industry, like, you know, bad managers, you know, Stan Polly. Um, but, you know, people like that, you know, rip-off artists who, you know, would just rip off bands for their own means and leave them in the mire, you know. Uh, Queen and um, all the bands that preceded Queen had probably been through a bit of that. Um, and then Lily of the Valley. Um, it's just a nice down tempo ballad, really, isn't it? Just break. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's a nice break because you know if you, if you want to consider you know whatever way you look at it, that's either the third song or that's the fifth song. Mm. You know, depending on whether you count the medley all as one song. Um, but let's say, for instance, we're five songs in and it's been pretty relentless. You know. None of the songs have been particularly slow or anything like that, you know, especially, you know, the opening track. And it just takes it down a level, slows it down and goes, okay, let's take a breather. Yeah, it's so the f- ballad, for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it falls at the right point. Um, has anyone got anything else to add? Or Yeah. Um, no. I, I was wondering whether... <laughs> Sorry, I was wondering whether Lily of the Valley was the last track on that side. Yeah, this, this next one. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Sorry, it is. Yeah. Uh, no, there's one more. There's one more. Yeah, there's one more on this side of the album. If you're yeah. Listening. Yeah. And that will become apparent as we go along as well. I really as... like Lily of the Valley. I think it's a stands out from the other two. It sort of feels yeah. like more personal song. Well, like the rest of Queen is really embellished and over dramatic mm. um, stuff. Where it's yeah. really hard to read. I, I feel like it hasn't earned its only three bars out of eight rating on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next track, uh, finishing off side one, is Now I'm Here. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was Now I'm Here. Um, should we go to Harry first? It was good. But going back to what he said about the side A, side B, I kind of feel like it would better have ended with a medley and this could have been earlier in the album. Yeah, it. I, I get what you mean. Like the, the medley would have closed it out quite well. Um, I think the issue maybe as we kind of go on is that you realise side two is quite well structured, so you can't stick anything in the middle of that. So 
it'll probably just have to get pushed up the running order um, for side one. Um, yeah, true. But I think it's like, you know, like Brighton Rock is really hard to get into for like casual listeners. I think this is more like accessible guitar. And so this maybe would have been the perfect opener. Yeah, it could have been. Especially it's called Now I'm Here. That is <laughs> literally an opening line. Hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, why would you waste your best song on the album at the top of it? <laughs> Are you saying this is the best so far then, Marley? Oh, absolutely, yes. No. Not that I don't like what's come before, but that really hit the spot for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree. That's probably my favourite it's, it's It's got a really good riff. I think yeah. I think I'm using the word riff correctly. <laughs> Indeed, like the doom, do 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 do. Yeah, it's it's kind of bouncy. It's um proper like glam rock, like it. Yeah, you could imagine absolutely. Bowie or like the Sweet or even what the Hoople, obviously. Um, yeah, a name dropped doing that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and it's probably no surprise that that was written while they're on tour with what the Hoople. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Because um, there's a lyric about who pull in it too. There is indeed, yes. Um, we record, so just for the listeners, we record this over Zoom. I think this is the first time that I've looked up and all of us have been bobbing our heads slightly. <laughs> it is a bopper. That's, that's probably a yeah. good indication of uh, how good this song was. Yeah, it's yeah. a little um, foot tapper for sure. Ah, um, I think Big Bopper would be proud of us. Yeah, but it's it's definitely kind of glam rock, um, glam rock in general, especially like the likes of T Rex were very much inspired by the, the sort of fifties rock movement, like Chuck Berry. Um, yeah, so it's like kind of got very on... classic progressions where it kind of runs up a scale, um, almost like Twelve uh, Hour Blues. Um, that riffs almost kind of there. Um, you know, in you know Twelve Hour Blues would be doom 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 doom. Do, 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 kind of thing. Um, whereas this is for a moment as to how long that was going to go on. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, some good elevator um, music. Yeah. Whereas obviously this is kind of do, 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 do. You know, it's it's similar, but not quite on. Um, yeah, it's got bits where you like bar one finger and then you do some crazy solo stuff. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the actual riff itself was quite easy to play, but it's not something I've sat down and tried but i'd imagine it was sort of cored around either the um ea shape yeah absolutely i agree yeah wally knows his shit when it comes to guitar <laughs> but yeah um just uh, yeah a cracking song um it has a real life feel as well like compared to some of the other songs especially say the medley um and killer queen where they feel like really in the studio sort of songs Oh, yeah, no. I, sorry, I see what you mean now. Yeah, like you can see them performing it live and crowd yeah. love it. It's, it sounds a little bit more... I don't want to quite go there because it's Queen we're talking about. And as I said before, <laughs> they are masters of production. But Absolutely. it's got a slight more scuzz on it. Hmm. Going back you know, to what I said about an opener, I actually looked at some live stuff and I saw that they opened the song a lot. Yes, this is um, a perennial live favourite. This is something that I've been playing for quite a while before the album came out and they played it for quite a while after the album came out uh, dropped it for a little bit and then it came back in at the back end of their career during the last live performances so it's it's definitely a song that the band loved and performed live a lot and the fans kind of had a soft spot for it as well 
Yeah, it's it's just good fun, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fucking good. Yeah, it's really infectious. But especially the bit where he goes around, around, around. Yeah, and that little kind of the breaking sort of about the sort of two and a half, three minute mark where it kind of goes up another level. Mm. I mean, chef's kiss, chef's kiss. <laughs> anyway, on to In the Lap of the Gods. Uh, yes, so Lap of the Gods. Who's going first? <laughs> it's, it's really not my cup of tea. Um, that's as much as I've really got to say on it. Um, I'll just go through sort of what I read. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it, I, I, I kind of want nothing it, to be perfectly blunt. Um, to me, it's just Queen does Phantom of the Opera. Have you seen Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> I have. Oh, wow. Well done. Um, <laughs> not in person, but... Um, Wally, you know my partner. Of course I've seen Phantom of the Opera. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, not even the... Uh, guitar solo which is really nicely played really well thought out you know even that doesn't really save this song it's just yeah um i can pretentious see what you shite. it is only the opening that really feels phantom of the opry and then they just repeat the words lap of the gods for two minutes yeah and not a single head bobs so <laughs> yeah it's, it's failed the test <laughs> it's pretty insane vocals on it uh, I thought like they go for a Pink Floyd person who did a great gig in the sky in it, but no, it's just Roger Taylor's doing this insane high notes <laughs> in the background. <laughs> so, oh, you mean um, Claire Torrey? Yeah, it sort of sounds like that. Yeah, um, like kind of singing pretty nonchalantly, and he's in the background. Oh, yeah, I mean it's a production feat. Don't get me wrong, but does that make for a great song? For me, no. Hmm. Y- you can. You can sort of see what they were trying to go for. It's a more melancholic feel. Yeah. I don't think it works for them. It's more no. of a piece than a song, maybe. Yeah. Mm. I pretty like it, but it's, what, it sounds kind of ELO to me, like especially the vocal yeah, effects. Yeah, it's definitely a regression back to prog rock. Mm. Um, but as I say, yeah. it just doesn't I, do I they, a thing I think at they all. tried to do something different and it didn't quite come out that way. Yeah, I think that's probably... It's fair probably, play to them yeah. for trying new things. Yeah. Every time. I'll always give props for that. But Yeah. But I think, yeah, as I say, uh, the, the fact that we've had that little to say probably says a lot. So, uh, Well, there's not move... much to say about it. It's No, it's, no. It's you, just... you've, got a, you've got a weird opening and then a very repetitive second bit. I don't... Yeah. Mustn't... Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you like the music, then it's nice i think but it's yeah. just not much to talk about because of like no i could quite i could have quite happily existed without ever hearing that um but yeah this is stone called crazy mm-hmm. yes yeah, stone called crazy yeah. um <laughs> uh yeah that was, that was that was good I like that. That was like nice, that. yeah. Um, uh, we're back to the uh, foot bopping. Yeah. And the head bumping. Yeah, definitely. With I'm sensing a theme kind of that out a bit. we revert back to a more classical rock feel, we like it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unashamedly, I'm a classic rocker. 
like you yeah. know in my tastes and you know Led Zeppelin that sort of shit but you know it uh you know rubs me in the right way and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> the, <laughs> that's a weird sentence out of context <laughs> Like, you know, oh yeah, that queen rubs me the right way, you know. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, I mean, this is more of a, you know, more of that kind of feel, you know. So it's it's just like a wee little tickle on the balls, hit the right spot. Yeah, would have yeah. been the better thing to say. Yeah, it's it's you know, whereas the other songs, especially in the lap of gods, more like a sort of finger up the anus. This is more of a tickle on the balls. <laughs> And that isn't to say that some people don't like a finger up the anus. It's just not what you're into, Martin. Is that what we're saying? Anyway. But yeah, I, I, it's a very good hard rock song. I, I mean, it's even sort of semi-metal at points. It's, it's, oh, it's proper hits. Metal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it sounds I, I, like pre-Metallica, kind of. I mean, about Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah. It it's, takes some skill to play at that speed and keep it in tempo like that. I mean, that's... That's musicianship. I'd say it takes some skill to sing at that speed as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and still sound like a gangster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. the and kind of the fact are... that it's it's fast, 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 bam, acapella. That, that's skillful. You know what I mean? And there are a couple of, there are a few moments in there where you can hear the more classical Queen sound coming through, but only for a bit before they revert back to the... Uh, to the uh, classic rock Queen, yeah yeah it's a nice kind of blend yeah. you know it's like it's like when they when they harmonize to sing St- stone cold crazy yeah when they did a title they do it twice yeah. in the song or something and it's like oh yeah that's queen like yes yeah and it's also like panning back and forth like what it was do yeah i mean i i wrote down on my first listen uh who came first queen or kiss because i don't know the answer <laughs> but i felt like it had a bit of kissness to it yeah i've been hearing some kiss in this album Definitely. Um, but yeah, um, this is actually one of the earliest Queen songs, um, sort of performed live way back in their career. Um, and it's about gangsters, the likes of Al Capone. Yeah. Um, who, again, who like, to be know. honest with you, I would not have picked up on that without reading that. Because a bit like uh, some of the other stuff we've listened to, the lyrics feel a bit inconsequential. Um, yeah. They're there yeah. to pad the songs out. But you also know, it's insanely but, quick uh, tempo to the scene well, as well. Yeah, that as well. But I mean, like a lot of these sort of songs, you know, he, he could have literally been sort of singing about his last trip to the butchers and I wouldn't have realised, you know. Um, Back to the butcher references. Well, I, believe we, I believe we listened to that song on the uh, Smiths album. <laughs> 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 But uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a good song. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I like the dynamics on it. Like as I say, going from fast heavy into the acapella, back into the fast heavy, you know, kind of always, you know, you, even on the second time, like you should expect it by that point, but it still tricks you out. You go, oh, quick, fuck, you know. It's uh, probably very much like a, a me sort of song because it's like a ADHD in a song. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a get psyched. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's just sort of that kind of feel. Um, Anyway, this is Dear Friends. So, dear friends, you love... So, yeah, that's Dear Friends. Uh, Oh, that didn't go on very long, did it? 
No, very short and sweet. Um, I'm sure I've heard that in a church. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it honestly sounds like a choir. I mean, yeah, continuing on sort of from my Queen does other artists, Fred, that we started with the uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, I've just put (laughs) Queen does Goodnight by the Beatles. I was thinking that too. It's pretty much a lullaby. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Just good night, go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. But I'd rather Ringo be singing that to me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, guy was yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine yeah. after all. Yeah, he just knows his way to a good bed. Probably uh, a lot clearer now he's not taking fan mail as well. Oh. So it's it's a weird thing. Like um, I'll go into it very very briefly. Um, like obviously, I I live in Liverpool, but I'm not native to the area originally, and. You know, there's the Beatles kind of connection, of course. And it's weird to see the amount of hatred that Ringo Starr gets in Liverpool compared to the other members of the band. How can you hate Ringo? It all stems back to um, about 2008, um, when Liverpool was a European capital of culture. Um, They basically brought Ringo back for like a performance, um, and he released an album to tie in with it. And he was on Jonathan Ross, and Jonathan Ross asked, oh, what do you miss about Liverpool? And he basically went, nothing. Oh, and, yeah, all the scouts in the world. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've, I've seen the interview, and I know the context of kind of like how the Beatles are with their humour. If you get what I mean, it can be quite dry, a little bit yeah. sarcastic. It's a Liverpool thing. Um, and I, I just thought it was one thing. It just got misquoted in a way, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it sounds like yeah. a BuzzFeed sort of title that enrages the folk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know, um, you know, you got all these kind of scouts. Whenever um, Ringo kind of comes up in the conversation, it's always like kind of like kind of we made you, you know, and you've just sort of spat back in our face, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, the reason I kind of go off on that anecdote really is because it's fuck all to talk about on this. It's yeah. kind of a weird direction to take, isn't it? They get you psyched when they lay you down in bed. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some weird dynamics in the track listings of this album in general, really. Like, it, it's too much heavy, quiet, heavy, quiet, heavy, quiet. Whereas you're kind of better off, in my opinion, grouping the same sort of songs together. So you hit a batch and then you go down tempo and hit another batch. Yeah, you can drift off with all your songs at the end. So in other words, yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a misfire. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was Misfire. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's fair. Yeah. John Deacon's first ever that, song. That's indeed correct. Um, as I say, it's just a nice song. Not quite a Misfire. Just nothing special. Um, which <laughs> which song slash band are Queen trying to ape this time, Martin? Presumably even that one. <laughs> I put Queen does rings. <laughs> rings? Wings. Paul McCartney's wings. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of has sunshine yeah. pop. Yeah, that's can... the kind of, yeah. And then and it's also got that kind of um, Moog kind of running at the end, hasn't it? It sort of feels like mm. that kind of, a bit like a band on the run or jet. Yeah, I know what you mean. And um, it's kind of like trumpety-like guitars too. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's very light. You know, if it, if I was going to say wings, I would have said a yellow. <laughs> It'd make like for a good um, useful song, like a Quentin Tarantino film when everyone's getting killed and it's got this sunshiny pop going on. Yeah, yeah. Now I can see that definitely happening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, it's 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 my kind of recurring thing with this album. It's like there's too many songs that just don't feel like they're complete. Like you've got like two mm. minute little, you know, one minute, two minute extracts of songs. And mm. you can almost tell that, you know, knowing the backgrounds that we got went into earlier, that this was written just on a quick break from a tour. Let's get an album out. Yeah. Cause it, it doesn't feel like they've had the time to put the workmanship into all of these songs. And sometimes mm. that works cause you get the immediacy. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's and other there's, times it doesn't because it feels like they're on the crest of a nice idea, but they just haven't yeah, had time to fit it out. There's a slight sort of rustic appeal to that idea, um, and I but think unfortunately, I like Queen that... are anything but rustic. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, if if you were to choose one word to describe Queen, rustic would not be the uh, choice, <laughs> darling. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's one of these. It, it's almost, it would work on an album that had a more homemade feel, I think is what you're getting at. Um, yeah, no, but, but this well, is overproduced. And when you're using overproduction on stuff that only lasts a minute, it sort of feels just like a waste. Yeah. You think it's kind of like lost in the production? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's like very memorable at all. No. But it's pretty impressive as first song. Uh, I saw a yeah, second yeah, song. It's a, ni- it's a nice best song. Best friend, which is way cooler. You're my best friend. I yeah, think that was that's the second song. Yeah, no, yeah, it's the next later. album, I think. Yeah, well. yeah, Night of the Opera. Yeah, or was it Day of the Races? No, Night of the Opera and then Day of the Races. Yeah, so that's the fourth album. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we shall move on to bring back Leroy Brown. I'm just going to cut in before anyone else gets there before me, because I know what Wiley's already going to ask, is what artist are Queen emulating? No, <laughs> I, I already know. It's Chaz and fucking Dave. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. I was <laughs> not familiar with those. I was going to say this is basically, it, it feels like a barbershop quartet. Yeah, I was going to say the B-shops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baby <laughs> me on board. Yeah. <laughs> it's wow. just kind of yeah. It's just vaudeville. It's, it's a very wacky song. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot yeah. happening. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it's just really it, yeah. It's vaudeville skiffle, but it, again, does it add anything? Well, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's I, definitely I like adding more, more to like the variety of the tracklist. Yeah, mm. but again, is it again? Is it one of those just short songs that just sort of feels like oh, let's chuck it in because it fills a bit of space? Because this is a weird thing with this album in general. Like you know, I've said before, the, the, the songs feel really short. They feel really fragmented. You know, it feels like there's a lot of incomplete songs. But the running time on this album is actually 58 minutes, which is especially back then. That's right at the top end of a, like but, what you could run a vinyl record at. Are you sure it's fifty-eight minutes? Because I think that includes like. Oh yeah, yeah, fair play, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 10% of that is a solo in Brighton Rock. <laughs> um, I'm gonna to have to look this up now because I was saying I've slightly embarrassed myself by here. Uh... I think it's 39 minutes. Uh, I've got it 3841. 3841, yeah, that's the yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's a short album that goes then, yeah. Um, but there, the, there's been like the, there have been a number of sort of re releases and yes. Have extra shit on like live tracks, um, yeah. but yeah, as I say, I mean, just for me, that I, you know, it could have stayed off there and it wouldn't have enhanced, or you know, it it doesn't make the album any worse. It just really doesn't make it any better. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like when Paul McCartney is left in the studio. Yeah, it, it, I know what you mean. It sort of feels like Paul McCartney in the studio after one too many spliffs. Yeah, was, was <laughs> Especially if uh, I'm going to get that cutie pie. <laughs> Are you just like, honey pie? Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's, it's again, I, I, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. Not my I jam. Mean, the only times I've ever seen Queen go really low pitched with their voice. There's a moment where they're just like, only Roy Brown. And I'm like, what? I imagine that's <laughs> well, a that tape. Really right, it must be a tape being slowed down. I'm guessing. Maybe. Uh, maybe I don't know. Um, good question. Um, that I, is I, yeah. very low octave. That is. Um, but again, is it, you know, it's, it's almost like a little kid doing like an impression of Darth Vader. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also Darth Vader didn't exist at this point. No, but I'm sure there no. are predecessors. Uh, to Darth Vader? Um, to that voice. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know what else didn't exist? Stormtroopers. Yeah. Props. Props, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify the next song. She makes me Stormtrooper in stilettos. Uh, yeah, so uh, she makes me Stormtrooper in stilettos. Um, of course, we're referring to the NYPD police, and uh, not the Wait, really? characters. Actually, it dates back to Imperial Germany. They were known as Sturmmann assault troops. Yes, that is correct. Um, I was about to go into that, actually, Ho. Um, yeah, that was what first sprung to mind when I saw the song title, was um, the um, army force... Um, slash police force of uh, the um, SS um, or German Secret mm. Service Police or yeah. Army. I mean, it even um, dates back to World War One. I, I think the term stormtrooper. They yeah, exactly. It's they stuff. use these soldiers yeah. for storming the trenches, basically. Stress. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, um, I, I, I'd never heard that term in regards to like American policing or anything of that sort before that point. You know, before I read my background on this song. Um, oh, really? Yeah. No, so, I have no idea. So yeah, I mean, Stormtrooper in stilettos. I'm thinking either this is some sort of weird sort of out, you know, Adolf Hitler sort of, you know, <laughs> um, has a secret or um, you know, springtime for Hitler much, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or um, or George Lucas has a weird fetish. That's kind of got the impression. It's like I don't know. 
kind of like the devil in her heart kind of song where you're thinking about someone who you're in love with them but they're cruel to you yeah so walking so all over you yeah it's definitely that sort of theme um, so you see you research this and they're actually referencing the nypd yeah that... supposedly yeah okay that's i mean um, supposedly like the, that little soundscape at the back end it, it you yeah. know it's sort of like a kind of nightmarish kind of brooklyn um harlem sort of thing mm. i thought it was just out of breath yeah <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's been hot. Yeah, it's a hard tune to carry. But, yeah, it's crazy I mean, yeah, it's it's again a bit like some of the other songs. It's it's technically it's, very well done, but yeah, it's again, another it's, very very unconventional. Definitely. Yeah, like there's no, there wasn't, there's no guitar in it that I can no, hear. No, or not at least not a guitar solo or anything. No, um, no it's, it's not. Am I not am I right in saying that it wasn't Freddie Mercury? You're right. It's Brian May. That one. Yeah. No, I don't think he's anywhere on that track. So they're, they're doing different things. Yeah. Um, it, it, as I say, it's, it's probably a side product of the kind of gestation of the album where, you know, yeah. you had the band writing songs without Brian May and then Brian May coming in with songs. So yeah. sometimes think... he was coming in with almost complete demos and they're going, yeah, you sound fine on that. I'm not going to intrude. Yeah, I think I think they took it. Certainly, feels like they took this opportunity to just have a bit of an experimentation session. Yes, I just say we'll we'll cobble together a bunch of lots of different songs, see what works with our audience, see what see. Yeah, yeah. It seems to like tack on to the end of a previous like prog rocky stuff, and then yeah, they're going into that more classic Queen. There's embellishments yeah. like Killer Queen and that, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird album, um, especially in the context of where Queen were with their career. Um, mm. And by that I mean, you know, they're starting to break through, you know, but if they had another flop, it, it's to, to reason that the record company had no incentive to keep them about. Yeah. You know, they hadn't had a big, big hit at that point. You know, they'd had a f some charting singles and, you know, they were a good live band, had a good following. You know, they'd hit the sort of top 10 on an album release. But a lot of money was getting spent on them, as you can probably hear in the results. You know, these are the yeah. bare time. They were a band that used up a lot of studio time. Mm. And if this album had completely tanked, you know, in, in the sense of being worse in terms of chart performance or sales performance than the previous two albums you know you probably would have never heard a queen again you know at the end of the day this album's what a product that would be. <laughs> yeah but that's a weird thought really isn't it you know and for an album that's on you know for a band that you know weren't on the brink but this you know a bad album could have put them on the brink mm -hmm. to release this that's, that's brave yeah uh, definitely you know it's 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 eclectic and you know it's got a lot of styles um and you you don't really see that too much from queen from this point on yeah i kind of think there's an advantage to that i mean like when we listened to meet is murder last week i kind of felt you know just listening to morrissey all the time you kind of get into the same mood 
better songs are kind of joined and they don't yeah. stand out so much. But when I mean, there's like Ryan May singing and Walter until Taylor. He, until he slaps you with Cowboy at the end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't going to spoil the surprise, but... <laughs> Oh, does Queen murder a chicken or something? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> this is In the Lap of the Gods Revisited. It's so easy, but I can't do it. So risky, but I got a chance. It. So funny, there's nothing to laugh about. That's all you want to talk about I can see what you want me to... uh, Yeah, so that's In the Lap of the Gods Revisited, which uh, closes our little visit through Sheer Heart Attack. I have a question about yes. the song. Of all the songs on this album that you'd want to revisit, why did they choose the worst one? I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't really touch over any of the same ground as the song it's titled after, really. Yeah, it's only the one line that's used. Yeah. But, I mean... (laughs) There's only one line in it, Harry. It's just repeated. Well, I mean... Yeah. I mean, my one note when I did my first listen from the album was, he's determined to make that fucking chorus stick, isn't he? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, they're obviously trying to build an anthem yeah this is like the shit attempt at really will rock you <laughs> mm. it feels like, like the vocals seem a bit buried too it feels like yeah. they could be a lot stronger in the mix yeah I mean like the, the guitars come in nice you know they crash yeah, like, really yeah. well but like I, mean, I, I prefer this to Jesus the Christ this goes on a bit long yeah. and it's, it's it it the vocally or lyrically, you know, um, I use that sort of term because there's no real lyrics, but it sort of feels like kicking out time at a pub. Yeah, I think <laughs> it would get so much more from it being like a live take mixed with a studio take if they had a toured it by then. I believe they tried to ram it down people's throats live a little bit. Yeah, as soon but as I they mean, had a, you know, as soon as they, they had a better a amp, yeah. When as soon as they had a better well. anthem, this kind of got chucked out of the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this was their I attempt think... to have that sing back at them sort of song, and it didn't really work. Yeah, it kind of feels... I mean, this version of it, or like the revisitation or whatever, it feels like it came out like a few years afterwards when somebody was like, look, this song, Lap of the Gods, it's not Queen. Make it Queen. So they've just <laughs> done a whole bunch of Queenie things with it. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange it's, little song. Yeah, it, it because it does feel like that Queen sound, but just weird. Yeah, I mean, and, um, like it does. I'm not sure it feels like there's much heart behind it. No, it it feels very cold, very clinical. Yeah, yeah. Wait, but. I, like I don't, I think that's probably being unfair to them. I'm sure there was heart behind it when they made it. So they, they I mean, they clearly intended it to open and close this. Yeah, song. yeah, it's it's a definite concept in it, but yeah, I don't know. There's a bit of cynicism in it as well, and you know, in my reading of it, you know, it's just like, yeah, they they, they tried to write the stadium anthem, it didn't work. Let's move on. 
and we all know that they got there eventually so they did indeed <laughs> and um you, you know, know we were sort of we were talking about that kind of stadium anthem kind of thing you know and you know this is actually a recording of them over 10 years later playing it at Wembley Stadium But yeah, it sort of hits a little harder, but still doesn't really change enough. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm. I think I disagree. I quite like it live. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's much better. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. No, I, that's I, definitely a marked improvement. Yeah. I don't think I. Would, I don't think I'd sing it back at them if they sung it to me. But <laughs> I don't know, think why you would ever sing it. anything back that you sing at him. I feel like he. You know, you oh, feel like that was being too conformist. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie no, Mercury no, 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 in no. Iowa, they're performing, it's like, stand still. You know, unless, unless Karen Carpenter came back from the dead and told him to sing back, I don't think it's ever going to happen with Wiley. <laughs> <laughs> I think you overestimate how much I enjoy the Carpenter's music. Huh? <laughs> my, problem, you, my problem with going to a concert and singing back at them is that I've paid good money <laughs> to go to a concert to listen to them sing, and now they want me to do their job for them. It's a matter of principle. David Wiley, signed up member of the middle class. (laughs) I am fully paid. (laughs) That was the most middle class viewpoint ever. (laughs) You know, the the higher class would have gone, I've got money to spare, you know. Uh, Whereas the lower class would have gone, it's just nice to be involved. (laughs) Yeah. He's literally counting the money. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no that, that was so middle england <laughs> how dare they i paid good money for this <laughs> in all seriousness i have sung along at concerts before once but that was <laughs> yeah he was seven years old and he was watching steps absolutely not <laughs> that was a misfire <laughs> sorry s club seven nope <laughs> We're going to be here a long time if you keep on guessing the one concert I've been to. But... Uh, did your mum take you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was Cliff Richard. <laughs> it was not Cliff Richard. I tell you what, right, from now on you get one guess per week. Eventually you'll get there. McFly. Well, the one band that Wiley <laughs> listens to. <laughs> you all assume I was a child at the time. This is... <laughs> Oh, so, as I say, we, we purposely keep it a bit of a secret what Riley listens to, and I haven't really got a clue myself. I know that he listens to certain things-ish, but, you know, I, I, I kind of have a viewpoint of Wiley that if it's on, like, your nan, not your nan, so, like, your aunt's sort of wedding reception playlist, that's probably what Wiley listens to. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the aunt, but generally, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I feel like he'd have an unnatural appreciation for the Bee Gees and Sister Sledge. I do like the Bee Gees. <laughs> I haven't heard of Sister Sledge though. <laughs> so. uh, uh, we are family. Oh yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just proving my point. But yeah, so that was Queen um, with Sheer Heart Attack. Um, I mean, opinions, like, just 
standardized reviews and scores here. I forget what what's our scoring system? We do we do out of ten, don't we? We do indeed. I'm gonna yeah. be honest. I I enjoy a lot of the individual songs in there, but as an album, it's a bit choppy. Yeah. I would, based on songs, some of them are up as high as nine, but some of them are also pretty low. To be honest, I think overall I'm gonna go for a six. Okay. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna join you exactly about six too. Yeah. Six. It, it, it could verge up to a seven. If yeah. like, you got Flap of the Gods, for example. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I'm going to go with a six as well. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty un- united score. I was expecting lower from you, to be pretty honest. Pretty satanic. I was going to say five to a six, so I'll, I'll, I'm happy with six. Um, yeah. Like I say, the, the, the songs that are good are very good. The songs yeah, that are bad got, are pretty bad. good songs in there to make it worth listening to. Mm. I mean... Put it this way, if it was an EP, it'd be a fucking 10. You know, if you took the five best out of it and just released that as a little mini album or an EP, that would would have been amazing, you know. But there's just too much filler. There's too many incomplete songs. I I don't feel like this merits the status that it's been given. A quintessential Mm. quick experience, I don't know. No, no. As I say, I mean, it's a be honest with you for something like this it's a bit disappointing this has made the thousand and one list yeah because but, I mean, I want, it's got many, good stuff on it but i how mean how many other queen albums do you think are on this list you know? uh they are one of the most appearing bands so I, we I are gonna be... eventually cover queen again yeah which is why i'm not sort of going too much into the latter queen you know i've got mm-hmm. good material but I'll save it for later on. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like a sneak peek kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, there's no point me sort of going too much into what Queen did next because we're gonna get there anyway. Yeah. Um, but I will very kind of briefly digress because why not? Um, <laughs> and we were talking sort of briefly about sort of how in particular Harry liked sort of having individual vocalists, you know, different vocalists within this album, instead of just the kind of Freddie Mercury thing. Obviously, um, when Freddie Mercury passed, um, Queen teamed up with a few vocalists, you know, um, Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert is the Mm. current uh, Queen. I was going to say, they're still with Adam Lambert. Yes, yes. Yeah, but as a film made too. Yeah, but they also had some fucking weird collaborations. And I mean, fucking weird. Um, so I'm going to bring it up now. And this has got to be... This might even be Wiley's favourite song, because I imagine he's that fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this 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 happened. Um, and it should not have ever existed. Oh. 
This is five. <laughs> Band five. Stop it. He's already dead. <laughs> the thing is, this isn't just like a sample. This is actually endorsed and played on by Queen. Yes. This isn't, you know, like some artists, they like take the sample or they cover it. No, this is a collaboration with Queen. And yeah. Yeah, that's fucking weird. I, I repeat, no. <laughs> <laughs> It no, is just, just yeah. Why it, it denies the existence of a song? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, when I was a kid, I was somewhat into Five, like, as a band. You know, they were, for the boy bands, they were pretty good. You know, I could get, I could have a groove down to keep on moving, for instance. I've mm. never heard of Five before. <laughs> have you not? No. What is what? Uh, between four and six. Yeah. It was that oh. one that was like, yeah, no. there was that like one that was like five will make you get down now. <laughs> like, everybody get up. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I didn't mind five no, back I, in the day. Five. It's uh, so weird. Like, if you said it to me, I'd assume you meant Mambo number five. But <laughs> <laughs> No, this was the boy band five. Um, I can't remember too much about them, in all honesty. Um they had a guy were in the they, band. Were they that... called five because there were five of them? Well done. Oh man, that's that's <laughs> some invent, that's some inventive naming there. There were five of them on formation. What? Um, they broke up, reunited with just four of them. <laughs> that's did just here. See, four, or did <laughs> yes. they just say five? No, they did carried they on being them, five. They, did they call themselves five minus one? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this would be another point which would really get your middle class outrage going. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for five members. <laughs> I demand percent of my money back. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's just awful, absolutely awful. And from memory, it wasn't even the only one they did with Queen. Did these? Oh did these? Did these <laughs> they five, brought them back. Did these? Five um, I think there was like two or three on the same album. Okay. But yeah, they, they, I think they even performed in concert with members of Queen. Like, wow. it was yeah. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? It's really weird thinking about a seventies oh. rock band getting involved with a nineties boy band. Yeah, it's just something off about it I'm, just, I'm, I'm having a i'm having a look at these guys they look like fucking idiots oh god um they are very very of their time that's all i can yeah. kind of say about them what time is this 90s or noughties? very very late 90s yeah late 90s early yeah we we're talking people that managed the spice girls so yeah simon fuller uh yeah um it, it feels like they were trying to be particularly edgy for the time, but it, <laughs> it has not aged well. Um, fun facts. That's not so fun. Um, I went to school. I went to the same school as Simon Fuller. That's not literally the, it. 
That's literally the, no, 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 no. He's, he's way older than I am. But yeah, I, I went to school with the guy who founded the Spice Girls. Same Did school, have not school with any um, interaction with him. No, but um, one of Simon Fuller's artists, um, a little bit later on, uh, was S Club Seven. Uh, so S Club Seven played at my school fate. Here's <laughs> the thing that I like about S Club Seven. When they broke up and got back together, they changed their fucking name to make sense. <laughs> that way you didn't feel cheated. Exactly. You always knew what you were getting every time. At some point. And they and had a junior yeah, and they had a junior division like the Nazis did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh dear. So those, those were dark times. S, S Club Youth. Okay. <laughs> well, they were called S Club Junior, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the S, the, the S Club Youth. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not uncommon <laughs> for entities to have a youth division. It's, this wasn't something that the Nazis came up with and everyone else shied away from because it was a bit weird. <laughs> No, but I feel like, you know, if the Nazis were sort of like encroaching the, 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 the and the conquering, be, you know, free Europe, then S Club were definitely taking down, like, music. <laughs> they used Hitler used to indoctrinate young people, which is, I suppose, kind of what S Club did with S Club, uh, by the sounds of I it. I mean, I, I've got this horrible image in my head, which I probably shouldn't ever repeat. But I'm going to, because why the fuck not? Because um, Yeah, um, of, like, just Adolf, like, on a stage, like, hi, kids, <laughs> you know, and then just him, like, going through a rendition of Reach for the Stars. <laughs> I knew you were going to fucking say that. <laughs> I knew exactly where this was going. It's pretty motivational. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I going to just go into sort of roughly final thoughts i know we've already kind of covered them with the scores but just sort of any final thoughts um and favorite two and worst songs on the album well i think uh, worst song is a given is it not we'll see oh, oh martin's gonna pick a risque <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah go on wiley go ahead and say that stone cold crazy didn't quite hit the spot for it <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, worst one for me, Lap of the Gods. Just yeah. which one? <laughs> like I said, the the revisitation was better. It had more of a Queen style to it, and it was yeah, like yeah. Um, no, the the first iteration. If you 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 open an album with that, and I'm like, do I really want to listen to the rest of it? So yeah, you know, at least it was the B side. The opener for the well, B-side, yeah. I'd, I'd already heard the excellence of um, Now This Time, or I'm Here Now, or Now. Oh, I'm here. Now I'm here, that's it. It really left an impression on him. <laughs> I enjoyed the song. I don't remember what it was called. Um, okay. so that, would, that would probably be my best one, and Stone Cold Crazy closely follows it. Yep. Harry? I actually don't think In a Lap of the Gods is the worst song. I'd rate it pretty higher. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favourite song on here, but it's 
definitely better than you guys make it out be for me. Um, I don't probably my favorite song is since when what? we were looking at it individually. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the anthem one is worse actually for me because it the, just the, feels hollow. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree a little bit. I feel like it's just trying too hard. Yeah, just anthems like taken away from live performances. They just mm. seem as like a yeah. There's nothing worse corporate thing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse for me than a band that's trying to create an anthem and it just doesn't stick. Sorry, which one is the anthem one? The last final one? track. Oh, okay, the revisited one. Yeah. Or... Okay, fair enough. Um. But yeah. Um. So. If, Got uh, Harry's least favourite, I think. But, I mean, are there any favourites or are you just avoiding that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite is probably Lily of the Valley. Okay. Any other honourable mentions? But also Stone Cold Crazy is amazing. Yeah. I think uh, we're all kind of united on that front. Yeah. Um, I like Lily of the Valley as well. I would agree. Yeah. Mm. That's, I yeah. think he does kind of get swallowed up by being in a medley, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, myself, my two favourites, uh, probably no surprise, um, are Now I'm Here and Stone Cold Crazy. Um, yep. they, they're, they're the two rockers on the album. They're the two that get you moving. The one, it, the it's one, no the great surprise. Bass lines a slap. Um, no, no. Bass is a kind of in the groove, oh, I suppose. Bass is different to riff. Yeah, yeah. Something about it slaps, okay? Just it, it, it hits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely the two up there. Um, as for least favourites, I could nominate any of three, to be perfectly blunt. Um, Which are? <laughs> I'm just going to pick one, because I think that's okay. the spirit of the game. Um, yeah. But you could ask me the same question on any different day, and I'll probably give you a different answer. I'm going to say, bring back that Leroy Brown. Okay. It's just, I I could sing that song with the lyrics, knees up, mother brown, and it would work. You know, it just feels way too much like kind of one of those kind of, you know, pub in London sort of thing. It's too much of a novelty. Kind of yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, I'd hear that and I'd kind of go, oh, so, okay, so when they're, they're releasing their cover of Rabbit, it's, it just no, just really doesn't do it for me. So I've got to go with that one. I enjoy, I enjoyed listening to it, which is, I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying. I don't think it's particularly good, but I at least enjoyed it while it was there. Mm. So yeah, I can appreciate it more than I would return to this. Yeah, yeah. I so say, it, it, for me, it just didn't do it. Um, you know, probably a slightly irrational hatred, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, Roy Brown. It's like, oh, every time that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get that cutie pie. As I say, yeah. I mean, there's, there's things that people just, songs and shit like that, that people just don't like. And it doesn't really make sense why they don't like it, but they don't. And that's just, that's definitely that for me. You know what I mean? I can't put my finger on, well, I can put my finger on it. It's because it's a fucking Chaz and Dave song. But, you know, I felt, you know, if I gave it a chance, I'd probably like it. I don't, so I'm leaving it alone. Just don't like banjo ladies. Eh, not unless they're played by George Harrison. 
<laughs> true, true. But yeah, that's been a sheer heart attack. And I think uh, the overall consensus there is a, it's, it's a kind of album of sort of two halves almost. You've got like the good and your bad. Um, you know, when it hits it, yeah, when it hits it, really fucking good. Moving on to our next album in the list. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let's get, those, let's get those random numbers up. Yeah, the famous random number generator. What are we What are we hoping for this time, Martin? Because I don't. You said Queen's not your jam. What would be your? Um, what would, what would be like well, right. Well, I'll what tell you decade? what. Let's Let's go round the block, and I'll finish up. Um, so, I mean, let's put the question back at you, Wiley. No, that's not fair. I asked you first, <laughs> not to sound like a child but <laughs> i mean I, to be honest with you just something a bit more classic um maybe something 60s or hard rock from the 70s yeah. so for me people keep on talking about david bowie slash bowie however mm. you want to pronounce it. <laughs> still don't know what the right way is um i have heard spectacularly few of his songs but right. every single one of them i've liked so to delve into an album would be really good for me, I think. I mean, I could talk about Bowie for months. So, well, I mean, done, if, if we get a Bowie, we are going to be here all year long. We're going to have to start recording at like four in the morning just to finish <laughs> it within a day. <laughs> in essence, well, the very yeah. Uh, Lou Reed featuring Bowie. Oh, right. Like Transformer. Yeah, that'd be nice. Satellite I mean, Love is a tune. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a cracking song. Um I mean, if you've got any carpenters on that list, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not, uh, sure, I'm not sure they'd crack this uh, thousand and one albums list. But. Uh, I guess they were never like that album focused. Uh, not, not really. No. I mean, they're one of those bands, aren't they? Where a bit like maybe ABBA, where like the album they're best known for is like the Carpenters' Gold. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And there's no shame in it either. No, no, there's nothing wrong with being a singles band. Yeah. But I'll that's the what, context. If any, ABBA comes, if any ABBA comes up, no, it could... <laughs> it, it would be good to see... It would be good to hear a song of theirs that I don't like, for example. <laughs> um, and like that, Wiley has just revealed his favourite band. It's No, it's not ABBA, actually. <laughs> it used to be, back in the day. So, yeah, I, 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 can, I can see why... You, he kept his music tastes quiet during uni. I went through a phase, I think, um, just before. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so moving on to our next album. Um, I've got the number generator up. We know what we're hoping for. Let's see what comes up. Ooh, I what's feel like? like we might be going back a bit here. Oh, what's the number? 92. Oh, oh that's, wow. be, that's early. It's Come really on. early. Buddy Holly. That's not, not going to be Carpenters, is it? It's not Buddy Holly. <laughs> maybe some Frank. Frank Sinatra. Um, maybe. Maybe a bit later. Oh. Um, some Nancy Sinatra. Whoa. <laughs> it's it's left field. It's really left field. Okay. I, I, I think we can do a left field one. Yeah. If, if Wiley thought Meter's Murder is out there, we're going to have problems. I enjoyed how out there it was. So, Wait, is it a zap um, or It fucking well is. It's what? <laughs> it's uh, the mother's invention. Freak out. <laughs> oh wow! 
Yeah, it's like renowned as one of the craziest records. <laughs> I am. Like how he's just struggling to control himself at this point because we both know how much of a head fuck this is going to be for Wiley. Oh, I've never heard yeah. of this. This is not a one size <laughs> fit all. No. I'm going to ask you now: Should I listen to it in preparation, or do you want raw reactions? Give I'm it one listen. Are you absolutely sure about that? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss my face. <laughs> no, give it one listen because um, it will still fuck you up on the second one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but there are many like three minute, two minute songs, I think. Yeah, like, not like trauma. But this feels like it's a bit early in the run, but let's run with it. No, no, we we have to follow our. Yeah, own yeah, rules. we stick with the book. We stick with the randomizer. So it's um, it's called Freak Out, and it's by the Mothers of Invention. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So yeah, join us next week when we'll be discussing that particular album if Wiley survives. If I survive <laughs> till next week. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I, I feel like this is either going to be one of those albums that really changes Wiley's point of view on music, or <laughs> it really like we might not have him back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Two man show. <laughs> I feel like we could be presenting this as the two of us, Harry. <laughs> like, I feel like Wiley might just listen to this album and go, what the fuck are you guys doing to me? <laughs> I'll go and do the movie oh. of the week podcast. Just part of the charm of the podcast. Really. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's going to be different. So yeah, join us next week and we'll find out just how different. <laughs>